0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: All right, everybody. It is Tuesday after week three in the NFL. Thank you for joining me, Jarrett Bailey. This is the Pump Fake a lot to dive into today. Jake Arthur of On Colts will be here in about 10 minutes to discuss the Colts' much-needed win over Kansas City. And then in about a half hour, Jason Aponte, my buddy, talk about the 49 year struggles in one of the, maybe the worst game in the history of football. That was a dumpster fire on Sunday night. So all of that will be coming up Here in the next 10 minutes to a half hour on the pump fake. I want to start with this, though. Miami Dolphins defeated the Buffalo Bills for the first time since 2018 on Sunday. 21-19, the final score to that game. But I want to point something out. Two things, actually. One... Kudos to the Miami Dolphins defense. Buffalo Bills were on offense the majority of the game, and to yield only you know 17 offensive points to that offense, the tip of the cat tip of the cat to that unit. I mean, that's that was a legit performance. Great job by them. And I know the Buffalo Bills fans are up in arms as oh my goodness, how could they lose that game? How could they lose that game? You're the Buffalo Bills. And if you're a fan of the Buffalo Bills, you should feel great right now. Because without three all-pros in their secondary, half of their defensive line, and a game of musical chairs on their offensive line, Dawson Knox going out with injury at one point, Gabe Davis getting injured and cramping, Stephon Diggs cramping. All of those things happening, and the Bills still had multiple chances to win the game. And if one of them goes right, they still do. If Gabe Davis doesn't drop a touchdown in the end zone. If Matt Milano holds on to a pick six. If Tyler Bass makes a field goal. Or if Josh Allen doesn't short arm a a touchdown pass to Isaiah McKenzie. The Bills win in spite of all those injuries. And in spite of playing in a sauna. I get it. Now, this is a team that Josh Allen has historically owned. He was seven and one against them coming into this week. Oh, and by the way, Josh Allen in this game, forty-two of sixty-three, four hundred yards and two touchdowns. So, still by and large, you know, Josh Allen looked great. And I know that the story of this game will be, you know, Ken Dorsey flipping out at the end of the game in the press box, and how Miami is three and zero. And they are. Good for them. If they played again today, I would pick the Bills. If they played on a neutral field, I would pick the Bills. And at full strength, there's no question, in my mind at least, and I think in a lot of people's minds, that the Bills are the better team. At full strength, they're the best team in football. But if you're a Buffalo Bills fan right now, like I get it. Losing sucks. But you're down three all pros in the secondary, missing half of your defensive line, and a rotating, just a game of musical chairs on the offensive line throughout the game, playing in a 100-degree sauna in Miami. And you only lose by two? And still had, if one of those things goes right, If Matt Milano catches it and returns it to the house, we're not having this conversation. If Gabe Davis catches the touchdown, we're not having this conversation. Tyler Bass makes the field goal, we're not having this conversation. They still very much controlled their own destiny without five of their best defenders with basically their second string defense. And they played well. DeMar Hamlin played well. That's safety. Now look, there was obvious moments where they were missing Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. Whenever Jalen Waddle went 45 yards down the middle, splitting the safeties on a cover two. Yeah, that's when you missed, you know, two all pro safeties. But the same receiving duo of Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill that combined for 360 yards against the Baltimore Ravens went for 135 combined against the Bills' second string defense. And to everybody, every Dolphins fan in the world is in my mentions right now saying they only had the ball for 39 plays. I think that's more of a testament to the Bills defense. Dolphins were three of eight on third down. Only averaged 2.8 yards a rush. I don't, I don't understand how that's a testament against the Bills defense when they kept. No, obviously the Bills offense did a great job of possessing the ball. But whenever Miami had it, the Bills defense was ready. So how is that a testament against the Bills' defense when they played well? I, I don't get it. So the same receiving duo who lit up what many believe to be overall the best secondary in football in Baltimore for 360 yards, their second string defense holds them to 135. If you're a Buffalo Bills fan, you feel great today. Because, you know, at full strength, you're the best team in football, and you now know that your depth is tremendous. Look, it's a war of attrition. A 17-game war of attrition. There's going to be guys that go down. This week, I mean, Buffalo's had really good injury luck the past couple years. It was only a matter of time before they got a bad week. This is one of them. The Bills are more than fine. They're still the best team in the sport. And I don't think there's much of an argument to be made about that. Alright, we'll shift gears. Now, the Indianapolis Colts getting a much-needed victory at home against the Kansas City Chiefs. And joining me to discuss that, Jake Arthur from Locked on Colts. What's going on, buddy? How are you?
0: Hey, what's up, man? Thanks for having me.
1: Not a problem, man. I appreciate you joining me. Um, yeah, so, course. the first two weeks of the Colts season, obviously not ideal. Um, Losing to the jacksonville jaguars tying with the houston texans they're sitting at 0-1-1 and then they're hosting the kansas city chiefs i don't think there was a lot of people going into that game who expected them to win um but regardless the defense showed up um offensively they looked much more in sync than they had the first two weeks of the season uh take me through just how indianapolis pulled off maybe the upset of the weekend
0: yeah, you're right. No one really saw it coming. I mean, so some people locally did them to, to play just because it seemed like there's no way they could drop yet another game. But, man, the, the the real reason for all the pessimism and everything is because it's really no secret their season ended inexplicably last year. All they had to do was be either of the Raiders or Jaguars to close out the season, two very winnable games, and it's like they didn't even show up. Like, they didn't even get off the bus, you know? And it's kind of how the Colts looked in the first two weeks of the season. Uh, they went to overtime and and tied with Houston. And so really in seven out of the first nine quarters of the season, the Colts looked lifeless. So it's like, of course, you can't pick them against a Patrick Mahomes-led team. But, man, there, there was a recipe for them to win, and it didn't even follow that somehow, but they, they, they got it done. Uh, we kind of thought if the Colts were going to win, that Matt Ryan was going to have to lead them. Into a shootout because there's you know you're not going to stop a Patrick Mahomes offense, but the Colts did it. Um, Gus Bradley, there, there was a big magnifying glass on him coming into this matchup because he's faced Patrick Mahomes with the Raiders and with the Chargers, and Mahomes has feasted on that single high safety defense. And through the first two weeks of of the season, Bradley had used more single high looks than any other coordinator so far. So it's like, of course, you know, collision course coming. But to his credit, he adjusted his game plan. The Colts played a lot of cover two; they shot those uh, those downfield shots from Mahomes, and luckily, w- without the Mahomes it, Mahomes and the Chiefs running a quick strike offense, uh, the Colts pass rush was really able to disrupt him. Uh, they they only got to him for one sack, but they had him moving throughout the game. You know, they had him coming up through the through the pocket and. And flushing out, which normally that's his forte. You know, he he makes things happen that other guys can't. But the coverage was really, really good from those guys. And it's a credit to a couple of young guys, too. Uh, Rodney Thomas, who is a seventh round rookie, played a, pretty much most of the game back there at free safety. Uh, and Rodney McLeod, a veteran, was another one who played a ton of snaps. Now, the Colts started Julian Blackman and Nick Cross throughout the first couple of weeks. Blackman went out with an ankle injury and I I think just schematically the Colts wanted to to play uh, McLeod more over over uh, Cross because Cross is more of a box guy. But you know, ev- everything that Bradley did seemed to really work. So, uh linebackers who had looked really confused the first couple weeks, they came to play well. You know, Travis Kelsey could have been a lot bigger factor than he was, but man, it's it, it, the, the defense did a great job. I mean, the, the offense would not have been able to do it by themselves because the offensive line looked terrible for a pretty good portion of the game.
1: They did this all without Shaq Leonard as well, which I think is an even mm-hmm. bigger testament to the Colts' defense. Um, and you mentioned the fact that Travis Kelsey wasn't as big a factor as as expected. I mean, he did have mm-hmm. a touchdown, I believe, still. You know, he was still Travis Kelsey. Um, yeah, of course. But you know, take me through the linebacker room for the Colts, because doing that without your best defensive player, without arguably the best linebacker in football, I mean, that's even more a testament to you know, to that defense.
0: Yeah, so when these guys are playing the old cover two that they used to under Matt Eberflus, they're really effective, because it's a lot of it's based on just instincts and athleticism rather than having to process a ton of things. Uh, but Zaire Franklin has come in and, and been the primary mic over Shaquille Leonard. Uh, Bobby Okereke would be out there regardless. He's he's Leonard's running mate all the time. Uh, but EJ Speed has also been thrust into a bigger role because he's filling in for what Franklin would have been doing. Um, through the first couple weeks, those guys have looked kind of lost, especially in coverage, uh, not getting back as far and allowing some some big plays over the middle and things like that. But Bradley putting them back in the scheme just, I guess, maybe for this week that they're most comfortable with, they really responded well. They were flying everywhere. They were keeping things in front of them. Um, we, we don't know when Leonard's coming back. I think a lot of us had this week three game against the Chiefs circled. Uh, so he's been practicing in full for a few weeks, but they're just waiting for him to get to 100% really. I don't think they want him out there and to start the rest of the season Less than that because you know you only go down from there pretty much. Yeah. Um, but they he says he's feeling better each week, he's getting closer. They're just looking at his practice film and they want him to look like Shaquille Leonard basically. Um, so whether that's this week, whether it's in a few weeks, who knows? A lot of people have questioned why not just keep him on pup or anything, they needed him to practice uh get him practice get him back physically into football shape back to 100 and that's when they'll let him go out there
1: in terms of the offense um i think that everybody's pretty excited about getting a Matt ryan in the building this offseason um it looked very stagnant especially against jacksonville being shut up by the jaguars um much better this you know uh this past sunday um what comes next for the colts offense
0: Everything, no, nothing can continue without the offensive line getting better. It's been the downfall of the entire unit uh, through these first few weeks. And again, if the defense didn't play like they did against Kansas City, they would have lost because the offensive line was bad yet again. Uh, so they have two new starters, left tackle Matt Pryor and right guard Danny Pinter, but it's not just them that's been an issue. It's it's really inexplicable because it's it's really veteran notable guys making mental mistakes Ryan Kelly, who's a multi-time Pro Bowl center, letting guys just come right through in the A gap. And it's probably miscommunication and things like that with, with the new guys beside him. But Braden Smith, who is one of the higher paid tackles in the NFL, uh, has been considered one of the better right tackles for a long time. He's a turnstile right now. So, the next, I mean, they they can't make any improvements until this line does something. Um Really not sure if they're going to make a change at at the top with Chris or their O-line coach. Uh, with If Bernard Ryman is back, the the rookie, um, you probably got to get him in there really soon. Like they, Something has to change because they've been so bad that you can't just go through with how it's been. You have to shake something up. Uh, I think we've seen Matt Ryan can be really effective when he has time to throw. Luckily, they gave him time to throw late in the game when it mattered most and the Colts needed to make that comeback. Uh, But man, guys are just getting blown up. Free blitzers are coming through unabated. Like it's, it's really bad. Like I I did see some metrics earlier that they are the 32nd ranked offensive line right now. And, you know, Jonathan Taylor, anyone who's watched him for a game or more knows he is just otherworldly and he's, he's creating like all of his own yards right now. He's not getting much many holes to run through. It's just tough. Um, I think Matt Ryan can guide this offense effectively, but he's got to have time and protection to do it.
1: talk about the rest of the AFC South, because just like everybody expected, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> are at the top of the division right now yeah. after winning two straight games, which, by the way, God only knows when the last time they won two straight games was. Um, and they do it in impressive fashion, obviously shutting out the Colts week two and then only allowing 10 points to a really high-powered Chargers team Obviously, Justin Herbert dealing with the rib injury, but regardless, they're putting up points. Trevor Lawrence looks really good. Um, Jacksonville in the driver's seat. Um, and then Houston, 0 2 1, dropping uh, their week three game to the Bears. Tennessee gets their first one of the year, beating the Raiders. It's still very up in the air in that division. The Colts have just about as good a chance as anybody uh, to win it. Uh, but in terms of who the biggest threat or the biggest, you know, the best team in the division is right now, who do you think that would be?
0: Well, shoot, I mean, it's hard not to say Jacksonville right now. I mean, it's been Tennessee's division for the last few years, at the very least, while the Colts get things figured out. I thought the Colts would be the favorites going into the season. And I do think they to win it. Yeah, I mean, that's their saving grace to the slow start to the season is that the AFC South has been so rough so far. So I think they still could do it. But just watching the way that Jacksonville wins games – is a lot more convincing than either the Colts or the Titans, and I've been skeptical of the Titans for a couple of years now, just with their depth. Like they've got some really talented players, but there's some guys. If they go out, it's it's going to be tough. They've already got a rough offensive line. Taylor Lewan's gone for the year now. So, man, if it's not going to be the Colts, I'm going to give it to the Dark Horse Jaguars. Man, like they they look good. It's hard for us with uh, in, in Colts country. You know, because Jacksonville always looks good against the Colts and they look bad against everyone else. But now they're starting to look good against some other teams. Um, So, man, I, I'm, I'm going to buy in. I like Doug Peterson as a head coach. I think they're doing things well with Trevor Lawrence. I know at least against the Colts, they had a really quick strike offense and it was killing the Colts. They couldn't get to him at all. He's got mobility, uh, tons of athleticism in a really tough defense Um man, if it's, it's not going to be the Colts. I, I, I'm going to, the, the Jaguars need some respect. I'm not going to be shocked if they get it.
1: Jake Arthur. I appreciate you joining me, buddy. Plug anything that you would like to before you get on out of here.
0: Yeah, of course. Uh, so over at horseshoe huddle.com, I'm, I'm always staying busy there and then locked on Colts podcast. Of course, that's wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. So uh, you know, w- w- once you're done here with Jared, if you want to go throw us a subscribe to mm-hmm. that'd be much appreciated. All right, buddy.
1: We'll definitely do this again soon. Hopefully, your Colts can continue this success after getting their first win of the year. We'll talk soon, bud.
0: Yeah, much appreciated. Thank you.
1: All right, buddy. Take care.
0: Yeah, That is Jake
1: Arthur. of Locked on Colts. Yeah, look, the AFC South, it's... Uh, coming into the year, I think everybody kind of expected this to be the worst division in football. It's lived up to that expectation. But the Jacksonville Jaguars, man... I think Trevor Lawrence should sue Urban Meyer (laughs) because this team, that quarterback looked night and day, night and day different. And Doug Peterson was absolutely the right hire. I know that there was a lot of Jaguars fans, a lot of people who were like, I'll give it to Byron left, which no, you give it to the coach who has won a Super Bowl, has been there, done that has had success with a quarterback with, uh, a similar play style to Trevor Lawrence and would you look at that the jaguars leading the division have two straight convincing wins good for the jacksonville jaguars man they're going to be a fun team to watch uh, going throughout the rest of the year uh, look and, and look you just popped in i was just about to to inter- to 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 pop <laughs> Jason sorry i'm pair. dealing
2: i'm dealing with a sick kid
1: That's okay. Yes, Jason Aponte is on dad duty right now, but it's Mm. always good to see you, my friend. How are you?
2: I'm good. How are you, Jared? Looking uh, as sparkling as ever, my friend.
1: I try. I try my best. I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Um, So I guess we'll start off by just getting it out of the way, addressing the elephant in the room. Um, Sunday night, I I know as a fan, was the worst game I've ever seen. (laughs) But by both sides, by the way, I mean, this isn't just crap on the 49ers. The Broncos look terrible, too.
2: America lost.
1: (laughs) America did lose. Um, But let's talk about this. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo comes in last week um, in in relief of the injured Trey Lance. Plays well. They beat the Seahawks in convincing fashion. And then comes out this week. And, I mean, the offense looks largely dead. Lays an egg and uh, steps out the back of the end zone what's uh what's going on in San Francisco right now, man? Not just with Jimmy, but with everything. Um, They're 1-2 and two right now. They're going into a game on Monday night against the Rams. They could very well be 1-3. and three. Not a spot you want to be in.
2: Well, depends on who you ask, where the 49ers are. Some people are all in on firing the coach. Some people <laughs> are all in on criticizing Jimmy Garoppolo, which I believe is fair. I think Jimmy Garoppolo played terribly on Sunday, and, and mm-hmm. I think that Anybody who would say otherwise either has an agenda or just doesn't know what they're necessarily looking at. But I think the conversation largely has become stagnant around Jimmy Garoppolo because that's Jimmy Garoppolo. I I mean, the only thing that I can say that I was really, really upset with was. You know the Orlovsky standing, stepping outside of the the end zone thing, right? Like which, and, by the like,
1: way, turned out to benefit them because he threw a pick six on that play.
2: Right, literally, like he he was trying to give points away. I mean, he he had the trifecta: <laughs> uh, fumble, interception, step out of the end zone. I mean, that is He's like a the
1: Denver plus one and a half.
2: Yes. So <laughs> if we we need to investigate that, I think a little bit more. <laughs> but I think the conversation about Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't changed because that's the guy that he is. And when you talk about where they're going to be playing next week. Would it shock anybody if as soon as everybody starts to write Jimmy Garoppolo off, as soon as everybody starts to say, OK, this team is falling apart, this would be the week on Monday Night Football where Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers offense kicks the Rams ass on, on Monday Night Football. Not they did it last that. year on
1: Monday Night Football. Right.
2: Right. I'm not predicting that. I'm not predicting that. I still think the 49ers have a very good chance to win, even though, unfortunately, the worst news out of this game is that Trent Williams is going to miss some time. And if it's even one game, that's too much. Yeah. But imagine sometime now. Four but, to
1: six weeks expected for Trent Williams.
2: Yeah, for sure, with a high ankle sprain. So when you look at when you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, right, this is the exact time that he does something that awakens the crowd that overvalues him, meaning this would be the game where he just goes out there, plays clean ball, doesn't throw any interceptions, and the 49ers win on Monday Night Football just when everybody's ready to count them out. But I think largely this conversation around Jimmy Garoppolo has been the same since 2019. I don't feel any differently about Jimmy Garoppolo on Tuesday after that Sunday game. I think Jimmy Garoppolo proved to everybody what Jimmy Garoppolo is. He's good for one or two of these games per year in which he kicks an entire game away. The defense gave up nine points. And if you would have told me the 49ers defense, which is top one in this league right now, top one, that's how good they are. If you if you would have told me they're going to score nine points, I would have said the 49ers win 27 and nine. like they, they would have blown them out. And Denver has a very good defense. In in so the only thing that I will give Gen- Jimmy the benefit of the doubt is a lot of people didn't play in the preseason. And in week one, usually that's when they're they're It's still like they're working out the kinks. So I believe Garoppolo's still, you know, without any training camp. But don't give me this stuff about grasping the playbook It's the same playbook that he's had since 2017. But I will say that, you know, little rusty. But that's Jimmy. That's Jimmy. And it's not on Kyle Shanahan. He's literally drawing up guys wide open, and as usual, Jimmy Garoppolo is looking and saying, "Nah, that's all right. I see a double covered guy. Let's throw it in there."
1: If, if it helps, if it helps, Steelers fans can relate to that last sentiment a little bit.
2: Well, you guys are are on like you know, there's a large faction of Steelers fans. You know, you're not the only one that I follow as a Steelers fan that that does not like Matt Canada. Um, <laughs> but I would say sometimes things are wide open. And what's the offensive coordinator supposed to do? I mean, when you when you put it out there, and the same thing with Kyle. When you had Debo Samuel streaking down the field for a touchdown multiple times, you don't throw it to him. Or the one time you do throw it to him, you underthrow it. If you would have thrown it a little bit further in front of him, he's probably going to the house with it. It's the frustration that 49 ers fans have shown this entire time. And I think that Jimmy Garoppolo, what he did on Sunday, was just prove everybody what exactly he is. And, 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 and I, again, I believe he's a starting quarterback. I believe that's valuable in this league. He's just in that 13 to 20 range that we talked about on any given week much closer to 20 this week than than in previous weeks but I don't feel any differently about Jimmy Garoppolo I don't feel like he's terrible and I don't feel uh like oh my god he's getting worse he's getting Jimmy that's the best way I could put it <laughs> I mean that was that was the quintessential Jimmy Garoppolo game
1: don't worry I'm not ignoring you I'm just tagging you in this and saying that we're good in there, so you're
2: right. good So
1: in terms of, I mean, we can get past the 49ers now. we kind of got your little event session out of the way. Um, I've been saying all, well, I guess since Sunday. Um, I I talked a lot of crap going into Sunday. How the Bills were going to smoke the Dolphins. And uh, that didn't happen. However, I do have this to say. And I've been saying it since Sunday afternoon. Bills went into that game without three all pros in their secondary. Mm -hmm. Two of their best defensive linemen. And a rotating door. Of offensive linemen playing musical chairs they were still a missed field goal a drop pick six a Gabe Davis drop touchdown and or Josh Allen not short arming a touchdown pass to Isaiah McKenzie away from winning that game in a 100 degree sauna the Bills to me are still the best team in football and look credit to Miami's defense because 90 plays only giving up 17 points to that offense that tip of the cap fantastic job but if they played again today on a neutral field, I would pick the Bills to win. Uh,
2: I mean, nobody was going to go undefeated this season, so one loss yeah. doesn't change the fact that the Bills are still probably the best team in football. And and I and I agree with that sentiment. Also, two things can be true: the Dolphins are moving in a different direction, and they're playing very well. Yes. And and that's what happens at times when there's a new a new coach in there. We're all rooting for Mike McDaniel over here. That's uh, you know a lot of the sentiment now with what's going on with the offense being stagnant is people asking, well. Where's Mike McDaniel? And maybe was he was the secret sauce. I don't necessarily – I mean, I'm not downplaying what he did. I think that he's great at what he did, but I'm still going to hold off on that take. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see why anybody would change their mind. Nobody was going to go undefeated. The Bills – it's a divisional game. We, we talked about this on your space. It's mm-hmm. a divisional game. You knew that that game was going to be tight. You knew that that game was going to be like that. But the Dolphins, this is how you know you're trending in the right direction. Teams that are on the cusp usually lose those games, right? Or find a way to 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 finish the game off and lose, right? Like they, but they would say, "Oh, we're really close." Yeah. Well, losing's losing, but now you're turning the tide on those on those games, and now you're winning those games. Yeah. And it gives your team confidence going forward. I mean, Tyreek Hill had 33 yards. Yeah. And Tua left this game with whatever it is a back, which I don't know how it's a back if the guy almost fell over. It feels like concussion. Uh, that's a whole other discussion. Yeah. But. Yeah, man. I mean, I think two things could be true. I think the Bills are still the best team in football. And I do think that the Miami Dolphins are trying to get in the right direction. And they might be good. They might be good, man. 3-0 is a good start. I mean, they've beaten two very good teams. And Thursday is going to be electric, man. Not only for the uniforms, because the Bengals are going to wear the all-white. Yes, They're going to they be are. wearing that teal. That aesthetic is going to be beautiful. But the Dolphins get to prove on the national stage and, and knock off the AFC representative in the Super Bowl. So two things could be true. The Bills are good. So, the Dolphins.
1: Let's talk about somebody else who's been, you know, polarizing in, in terms of my respects on, on the old Bird app. Um, Lamar Jackson's playing out of his damn mind right now. And um, his pocket passing has gotten so much better. And he looks fantastic. If you saw his numbers against the Patriots blitz, that he threw all four of his touchdown passes were against the pass rush on mm-hmm. Sunday. Like the dude was just on one.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: He's putting up pay me numbers right now. And I love uh, it. We talked about like hypotheticals that could happen or where he could go. I do think that he stays in Baltimore. I do think that they get, it, get, get the job done. But for every game he has like this, I think it's just, all right, extra $10 million. chalk it up. Like He's yeah. playing fantastic right now.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, when you look at that game, right, and he threw four. He threw three, really. He shoveled past one to, to Mark Andrews. But it's yeah. still incredible play design, and he got it open, so I'm not talking about that. But, yeah, Lamar's playing out of his mind. He's a joy to watch play football, man. I love people betting on themselves. You know, Aaron Judge did the same exact thing. He said, you know what, I'm I'm rejecting that offer. 60 homers. I mean, that's just that, that's just that's big energy right there. You know what kind of energy that is. It's huge, right? Like, I love it. So he's playing very well. He's got himself in the MVP discussion. And when you look around at that team, you know, usually Greg Roman's offense becomes stagnant. People figure things out but the ultimate equalizer and the thing that tips them over is Lamar's playmaking. I mean, he doesn't take any hits when he's running. He's silky smooth when you see him and you know, he knows when to get down and now he's improving in the place that people often criticized him. I mean, again, defensive coordinators, you have your hands full again. You're you're going to be up all night trying to figure out how to stop this guy. Really happy for Lamar, man. He is, it's, it's him and Josh Allen right now for MVP. And after, after what he just did, to the New England Patriots, I probably got to move him up a little bit more, man. He Like, look, they lost to to the Dolphins, but that was largely on the defense.
1: He was was incredible. None of that was Lamar Jackson's fault. He's he's
2: incredible. So when we talk about QB wins, right, and QB wins isn't a stat, QB wins is a stat for Lamar Jackson. You know why? Because he's the reason that team wins. He's the reason that they win games. So that's the difference between just propping up someone's record and then saying he has this many wins. When you contextualize how they get those wins, all of those QB wins are Lamar Jackson's, basically.
1: So I'm man enough to admit when I'm wrong about something. That's part of this business. It's part of you know adjusting and adapting. Um, I had the Philadelphia Eagles going eight nine this year. I said I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to do enough with his arm in terms of taking step forward and whatnot. They look insanely good, and so does he um, in terms of. He's not Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. He doesn't – I don't think he necessarily is going to get there, but he's taken enough of a step forward where he is a respectable passer, which we could not say that about him before. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's taken a step forward as being a legitimate NFL thrower of the football. He looked fantastic against Washington. Like, as dual threat as they come right now is Jalen Hurts. Philadelphia Eagles, I mean, they're a top three team in football right now in my eyes, man. I can can man up and say, yeah, I was wrong about them coming in.
2: Man, um – You know, I think that that was the biggest question mark, obviously. So I'm not going to kill you for that. I think that, you know, that concern was valid. Like where this team goes, as many teams do, as their quarterback goes. But they made so many pickups on defense. I mean, when you add James Bradbury with Darius Slay, I mean, you've got likely the best one-two combo in the league at corner. You have that that front seven that you already know is tough. But now Jalen Hurts is playing lights out. And they're just a tough out, man. They're going to be a tough out for anybody. I think they – I mean – the Dallas Cowboys won again yesterday with Cooper Rush. I mean, Cooper Rush, uh, they're finding ways to get it done.
1: They're,
2: they're, they're finding ways to get it done. I mean, Michael Gallup didn't play. I understand who they played and everything, you know, the undefeated New York football giants. But still, it's impressive what they're doing. So it's really going to come down to the Eagles and the Cowboys. But right now, I, I mean, look, week three, you don't want to overreact. But if you're talking about the class of the NFC right now, I don't see how you can't say that it's the Philadelphia Eagles at this moment right now.
1: Speaking of the Dallas Cowboys, I cannot wait. I'm gonna I'm gonna Google this daily, like Jerry Jones interview, and it's gonna be some radio interview, and somebody's gonna ask him like, "Oh, if Dak was healthy right now, who would you start?" And he'd be like, "Well, I, I believe that you know Cooper's playing fantastic football, and uh, you know it's unfortunate what happened to Dak Prescott, but when he comes back, I mean." Likelihood he's going to be our starting quarterback. But if we had to make a choice right now, I mean, Cooper's playing fancy. You want a quarterback controversy? You want to have two quarterbacks in your room? And right now we've got two of them. So you now, right now, Cooper's our starter. Like it's going to be something insane Electric. and stupid like that. Electric. I've been working on my Jerry Jones. Can you tell?
2: I, I mean, I, I said, practice makes perfect. How do you get to Carnegie <laughs> Hall? Shit.
1: <laughs> so yeah, sorry. Uh, Dallas is two and one now, which. Yeah. Good for them. Cooper Rush is 2 and 0 as a starter against 3 and 0.
2: Remember and last it. year, did he beat Minnesota last year? So, he's a he starter uh, for that game? Yeah.
1: Good for Cooper Rush. Central Michigan's own Cooper Rush. Right. Um, hey man, I'm not saying they have a quarterback controversy. They definitely Oh, don't. no, no, no. But I will say this for Cooper Rush. Some way somehow he's going to play well enough to be the 2023 starter for the Indianapolis Colts. It's <sighs> gonna, something like that is going to happen or Carolina depending on what happens with them this year, got to
2: be in, in Indianapolis, it has to be a new quarterback. That's what they do every single year. Yeah, that's what they Ever do every really year. luck left. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, we can't uh, – that, that, that's tradition at this point.
2: hmm
1: Good for but the Dallas yeah, was though, man. Michael Parsons, no, too. He's a dog. And,
2: and the front line was killing last night. I understand, you know, the Giants offensive line has issues. Uh, you know, Neil was getting worked all night last night. Right. But, I, you know, they're saying that Dak may be back in two weeks. I don't know if that's – I think if you're looking at the way that Cooper Rush is playing football, obviously when the competition – stiffens right like even though that that was a divisional game you know good for the giants being two and one but i think we know where they are in they rebuilding and everything as well shout out to stoney shepherd man that's brutal man finding out that he tore his acl and yeah. uh yeah man I, I i'm i'm gutted for him because it seems like every year and the guy i think the guy's a good football player just can't keep it on the field but um i do think that Dallas when they get Dak back when they get Michael Gallup back uh you know James Washington
1: too as well James, from Pittsburgh. He, he
2: might be back as well too I mean they've, they've got something in Noah Brown as well too so they don't really yeah. have to move they don't really have to move too fast on James Washington or anything like that but uh yeah I mean Dak's gonna come back and and there'll be a playoff team most likely but yeah it's hard to to bet against the Eagles right now I know it's only week three but yeah they're, they're crushing it right now man they're the best team in the, in the NFC yeah yeah
1: they're, they're killing it um in terms of the rest of the NFC East, and we just t- touched on um, you know, New York and Dallas, I was high on the Commanders coming into this year, and poor Carson Wentz. He got sacked nine times. The Commanders put up eight points. Mm-hmm. That tells you how his afternoon went, the poor guy. Um, I'm, I'm not jumping off the train quite yet. They've got a mm-hmm. still a relatively easy schedule. Mm-hmm. They, they're just a Dr. Jekyll. I mean, we talked about it. Jekyll and Hyde type team mm-hmm. where it just so happens that they were – mr hyde the entirety of last game uh i'm still i'm still holding on to uh the commanders being something this year um i think the nfc is a little bit thicker than we would have thought um but i'm still holding on holding on to that is there is there a team that you might be you know see flying under the radar that can kind of take that next step
2: uh san francisco 49ers i mean they're not flying under the radar no no but with the commanders i i just watched that game back actually um I don't know if Carson Wentz has PtsD, but his clock is too fast. Like he's getting off of his read and then and then either throwing it somewhere where there's a guy on somebody or he's holding it too long. Like four of those sacks are on Carson Wentz. Legit. Sure. Like those are those are NFL pockets. The pockets not going to be good for four and five seconds. It's not how this works. You're gonna get two, two and a half seconds, possibly three. But you know, he didn't play particularly well. And again, the Eagles have a very good defense. Let's let's also say that. And Washington couldn't stop them either. So, I mean, a lot of that has to do with, you know, how good the the Eagles are playing. But Yeah, so I think there's just going to be games like that. Like, it's he is the ultimate, like, three quarters playing this way and you're looking at him like, God, what happened? Fourth quarter, all of a sudden things happen for him. Um, It's just a roller coaster with them, and I think that that's what it's going to be for the season. I just have a tough time seeing how they break into the playoff spots when... Seems like Philly and Dallas are going to probably be in those spots if that defense continues to play like that for Dallas. And then you've got, you know, probably two teams from the NFC West that are going to be in. You've got whoever's going to win the NFC South. And then, you know, good old Packers who are just going to find a way to get in there, aren't they? And let's not forget the Tampa Bay Bucks. So, yeah, it's going to be tough for the uh, for the Commanders to get in there, man. It, it really is. It's just, uh, it's just a log jam for that last playoff spot.
1: Yeah. When did the Buccaneers become the most boring team in football, by the way?
2: Well— no Mike Evans, no Chris Godwin, no Julio Jones, no Rob Gronkowski. I'm, no- uh, by the way,
1: I'm I'm shocked that Julio Jones got hurt. Who would have saw that coming, by the way? <laughs> all right,
2: all right, all right. <laughs> but in the one game that he did play, at least he's not physically washed. He was running Yeah, I know. Fast. He's
1: still making ridiculous catches. He's good for right. that for like three games a year, so you better make him yeah. count. Yeah,
2: uh, fortunately for Julio. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, look, Mike Evans will be back. Godwin will be back sooner than later, uh, I suspect. And, you know, the offensive line is decimated. I mean, that that's something else that, you know, I think that you – you look to Tom Brady to be able to offset those losses, but even the the goat sometimes he needs a little bit of help, right? Like you especially can't just a forty
1: five year old quarterback who right. doesn't really move around a lot.
2: Right, you can't throw the paper boys and, and you know um, electricians and expect you know just because Tom Brady's <laughs> throwing them the ball and say you know what they're going to be fine. That's just not how this works. So yeah, uh, I do I
1: expect a big resurgence for Cole Beasley because if there's anything that Tom Brady knows how to do, it's throwing the white guys sure. in the slot, and Cole Beasley fits that criteria to a T.
2: For sure. For sure, <laughs> in uh, largest season incoming for Cole Beasley as long as he gets on the field.
1: <laughs> oh, he got on the field briefly. Um, I don't know how many catches he had. I'll have to go back and and look at that. But you're on maybe. the clock, Scotty Miller. Anyway, yeah, where's Scotty Miller been? This was his time to shine. He's every other receiver on the depth chart is hurt, and he's nowhere to cricket. Nowhere to be found? <laughs>
2: Rashad Perryman, uh, just jumping him on the, on the depth chart, man. Damn,
1: you can do. With all these injuries, I mean, they're flirting with having the worst receiver room in football. Like We could say that the Bears do, but the Bears don't let Justin Fields throw the ball, which is, by the way, is starting to piss <laughs> me off.
2: Um, I'm afraid, Jared. Of? I don't know if Justin Fields is good. I'm afraid. I'm afraid.
1: Uh, on, let me say this. I think that that is a logical fear to have. However we aren't going to ever know if he's limited to 28 pass attempts through three games. Yeah, Like let him make mistakes. He made two mistakes yesterday. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: If he's only throwing 14 passes a game, he's never going to be able to establish any sort of rhythm. And he's never going to be able to find out, okay, this works. This doesn't let me try this. If he can't ever consistently do something like I can't put all the blame on Justin Fields right now.
2: Very fair. But at the same time, you know how high I, I you know, I how high I was on Justin We were both I'm, very high on Justin right. Field. I'm just afraid right now because I think there's a lot of questions now about all of these quarterbacks in this mm. draft, right? Like the only one who's really, really hooping is Trevor Lawrence. Now Mac Jones has got a severe injury and he's trying his best to, to get on the field. I don't know why like he got a second opinion. To me, that ankle injury, that looks like you're not playing. Gonna,
1: dude, he was hopping off the field, right. not putting any weight on it. He's going right. to try to – absolutely, he does not – he should not play.
2: Fire up Brian Hoyer. That that Patriots offense is about to be – You know Brian
1: Hoyer's real first name is Axel?
2: Why doesn't he use that then? Brian is so boring. Axel what? Hoyer?
1: Are you fucking kidding me?
2: Yeah, man. What the hell? This sounds like the lead singer of a damn metal band. Like, well, that's, that's the name.
1: Albert Breer tweeted out that um, Beverly Hills Cop came out and um, – was it December 1984? And Brian Horror was born in October, 1985. And Eddie Murphy's main character's name in the movie is Axel. Yeah. So I think, I think there's some connection, some connective tissue there.
2: That ladies and gentlemen, makes me readjust the rankings when it comes to quarterbacks. If he has a name that (laughs) rad and if that's the reason, but uh, yeah, I think we have a lot of questions about a lot of these guys. Shout out to the Jaguars, man. They're playing, uh, you know, Doug Peterson's got those, those boys going, man. And, Shout out to Christian Kirk. Uh, we we, we were, clowned
1: uh, him for the money he's got, and he's backing it up.
2: Well, I don't think we clown him. We clown yeah. Jaguars. Yeah. but now who's laughing right now? Yeah. I mean, it's three yeah. games in, but now who's laughing? Like he's only Stefan
1: Diggs has more touchdown receptions than Christian Kirk.
2: Wow, things that we didn't see coming. I mean, this is exactly how you draw it up, right? This is exactly what we all thought. Oh,
1: by the way, I am very much here for the Jacksonville Jaguars winning the AFC South.
2: Hundred percent. 100%. Yeah, with the Indianapolis Colts beating the Kansas City Chiefs, that's why Vegas has such big hotels and everything, because all the money came in on the Chiefs. And I literally told you in the space, here's the game that all of a sudden yeah. you're getting yep, ready you to did. get rid of the Colts. And I was like, I hear it comes. And there it was.
1: You did say just that. And uh, that busted one of my parlays. So I wasn't happy. Right. I, I,
2: I would have stayed away from that game just because it was too easy. Like whenever it feels yeah. too good to be true, like a team that's like hobbling in and the Chiefs are winning games that one always feels like the one that i'm just like i want no part of that right you know so that is fair jay
1: it's always good to talk to you buddy you can plug anything that you would like to i know you're doing a lot of stuff
2: Appreciate you, man. Yeah, uh, you know, you can follow me on Twitter at Jason Aponte two uh, one zero three for 49 ers related content and a bunch of memes. I don't know what else I offer on Twitter, so I'm just trying to, you know, throw it out there. Um, yeah, Niners Nation is where you'll find my work written. Um, I'm actually about to start uh, the NFC Roundup um article and subscribe to Oh Hey There of uh, the, the Niners Nation Podcast Network and uh, Sprint Ride Option Podcast with my good buddy Andrew Pasquini, best beard and hair in the game. Don't at me.
1: That he does. He's got great wrestling takes as well too. Does Andrew Pasquini? Okay. Oh yeah. I always love talking to you, buddy. We'll do this again very soon.
2: Yeah, man. Thanks, Jared. Good to see you, buddy. Hi, buddy.
1: Jason Aponte, my good friend. It's always good seeing him. Um, Yeah, guys, like this is. It's a weird. (laughs) It's been a weird season. I think every season is kind of a weird season. And The Jacksonville Jaguars are leading the AUC South. Uh, Good for them, though. You know, good for them. But uh, before we get out of here. I will give my power rankings going into this week. Feels like we have to do that, so I will do that. So let me get the uh, the music going here, as we always do, just to make this make this operation work. All right, power rankings for this week this week going into week four number 10 Jacksonville Jaguars mean, we talked about them off show 2-1 and one, back-to-back wins back-to-back big wins defense only allowed 10 points in two games they are number 10 Trevor Lawrence has fallen The defense looks very good the linebacking core for the Jaguars looks very good number 9 Minnesota Vikings um hey look had a bad week against Philadelphia Eagles they rebound they beat a good Detroit Lions team and by the way, every game between these two teams seems to go down to the final minute. Um, good for the Minnesota Vikings rebounding, playing well. They're number nine. I'm going to have the Miami Dolphins at number eight, and I know a lot of people are going to get angry at me for that. Um, the seven teams in front of them, if they play them today, I would pick the other team. Um, their defense is playing really well, though. Uh, they picked up the slack for uh, you know the lack of offensive efficiency uh, against the Bills. Their defense deserves a tip of the cap, and uh, you know we'll see what happens on Thursday night against Cincinnati. Number seven, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I just said that they're the most boring team in football, and they are. Um, but I'm not going to doubt Tom Brady. I'm not going to push him too far down out of the top ten. They're two and one. They lost to the good Packers team, um, and they were a you know, false start call away from converting on um, the two-point conversion to send the game into overtime. So I'm not going to put that all on Tom Brady. I'm going to keep them at number seven. I'm going to put the Green Bay Packers right above them, who just beat them, and are now two and one. Um, need to get their offense going too. Far too inconsistent on that side of the ball. Uh, but they got the job done. The defense is playing fantastic. Uh, Green Bay Packers are number six. The Los Angeles Rams are number five. Oh, I mean, Matthew Stafford is turning the ball over a little bit too much for my liking, but they're getting the job done. Um, they beat the Cardinals too, and he just looks not he just looks dead in the water to the Cardinals. Um, but you know, the Rams are getting the job done. They're two and one after an ugly opening loss to the Buffalo Bills, uh, winning two straight. So good for them. They're number five. Baltimore Ravens are number four. Um, Lamar Jackson, man, playing fantastic. Defensively, they're starting to worry me a little bit. Like, there's too much inconsistencies on that side of the ball. Uh, if Kyle Hampson doesn't chase down Nelson Aguilar and punch the ball out, I mean, there's a good chance that New England scores there. Instead, it becomes, you know, a seven-point swing because the... Uh, Ravens were able to punch it in. So that is one thing that worries me is the secondary is to figure out their, their kinks. They got a bunch of talent on that side of the ball. They need to figure it out. So Baltimore's number four. I'm going to keep the Chiefs. I'm just going to move them down one to three. Um, hey, a bad game. Every team has a bad game. No team is going to go, and no, not every great team is the 07 Patriots. No, they're not going to put up 40 points a week every week just because they're that good. Like, hey, they had a bum week. It's okay. They're still a very good football team. Still cream of the crop of the AFC. Number two, hey, I was wrong about the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm in enough to admit that. They're 3-0. They look great. Jalen Hurts looks great. Their defense looks great. There's not many holes on this Philadelphia Eagles team. Um, Yeah, Jalen Hurts is taking steps forward as a passer. His numbers look great. He looks great on the field. A true dual threat in every sense of the word. Good for him. Stick of the cap for the Philadelphia Eagles. They are number two. The Buffalo Bills are still the best team in football They are. There's nothing wrong with saying that. The Buffalo Bills are the best team in football. At full strength, there's not a team that I would rank above them. And they still should have won the game against Miami with their second string defense in, largely, and playing in a sauna. If they play Miami again tomorrow, I'd pick them to win. And that's where we stand. So, power rankings, 10 through 1. The Jacksonville Jaguars, Minnesota Vikings, Miami Dolphins, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Green Bay Packers, Los Angeles Rams, Baltimore Ravens, Kansas City Chiefs, Philadelphia Eagles, and Buffalo Bills. Still number one. Heading into Thursday, where the Miami Dolphins will take on the Cincinnati Bengals. It's going to be a very aesthetically pleasing game, as Jason Aponte pointed out. The Bengals debuting those white helmets and those all white uniforms. It's going to look great. Uh, The Dolphins are wearing the teal uniforms. So, yeah. It'll be a it'll be a very aesthetically pleasing game. I am going to bet Bengals on this game because I think that they're bound for a bounce back here. I mean, started off slow, 0 and 2. They look good against the Jets, albeit the Jets. Everybody needs a tune up game, so I will be picking the Bengals to give the Dolphins their first loss of the year. Follow me on Twitter at jbaileyNFL for all the stuff I do. Sports Illustrated, USA Today updates on this very show. 33rd team as well. Now yeah, we'll talk later on in the week to preview the big Sunday slate of action, recap the games that were or the game that was on Thursday. and then we go into Sunday with another full slate of games for week four. So appreciate everybody watching, listening. However you take this in, it's always great to talk to you. Um, You can subscribe to The Pump Fake on YouTube or you can listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Again, follow me on Twitter at JBaileyNFL for all the updates on the stuff I do. I appreciate you guys. And we will talk again to preview week four later on in the week. See you.
2: Thank you for listening to Believe.